Acts chapter 4. Take you through um, some scripture today as you think about Acts chapter 4. And sometimes as you go along in your relationship with Christ uh, and you watch the truth of scripture, there sometimes there just needs to be an opportunity of cleaning. An opportunity where you are involved in a situation where you might be going in one direction and the truth of Scripture kind of pulls you back and says, hey, I want to I do something inside of you. And it's really, really kind of taking the Scriptures and cleaning who you are as an individual. Sometimes that takes place in persecution. I know right now here in the United States of America, uh, you can show them that next one, you, were, you have the privilege to live here and be here. And there's other places around the world where there's persecution takes place. And oftentimes where there's persecution, there's an opportunity for the perfection or the purity or the cleaning of the gospel. For people's lives to be able to speak into other people's lives while they're suffering. And so this morning as you gather around the scriptures, you might be saying to yourself, well, why am I really here today? What is it going to do to benefit my life to gather here as a family, to sit in a seat and just come to where we normally come? Well, this morning is an opportunity for you to come face to face with the reality. And here's the reality. How much time have you been with Jesus? Because when you open up Acts chapter 4, you're going to see some amazing things. You're going to see an opportunity where the gospel is going to kind of go forward and it's not really going to be accepted. It's really going to be offensive. And you can just hold it there for a second, Nancy. You're going to get an opportunity to see some more words from Peter. You're going to get another opportunity to see a group of individuals that probably looked the Christian life, thought they had it all together, and then they meet these two guys that have this personal relationship with Christ and they don't know what to do with these guys. And they're really stepping back saying, you know what? We don't understand these fishermen, but we see something about these fishermen. These fishermen have been with Jesus. And because these individuals have been with Jesus, their lives are radically transformed. None of us would have picked these two guys and said, hey, what? You know what? We want these gentlemen to be our spokesmen. God had a plan. God chose Peter, and God allowed Peter to be involved in in failing and restoration and seeing miracles, and then meeting this resurrected Christ, and then when the Holy Spirit shows up, Peter's life is radically different. So this morning, as you open up the Word of God, go to to Acts chapter 4, this is the first thing that I want you to see. The gospel is offensive. And so as Peter's there standing around and the crowd is there, look at verse 1 of Acts chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they were arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. 
What I want you to see in Acts chapter 4 is the continuation of Acts chapter 3 where the lame man was healed. As Peter and John walked into the temple, Peter says to him, if you remember anything from last week, gold and silver I have none, but what I give you, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. That individual had been there for 40 years. And so now Peter and John are there, it's still at the temple, and there's a crowd around and there's people that are annoyed because Peter and John are in the temple. And what's really kind of interesting is, is Peter and John are in the temple, and this lame man is now walking, and this has been offensive. Now I want you to see what's going to happen. So the gospel offense, so it shows this next slide. Go, yeah, right here. The, the priest arrived. Now here's something that's interesting. This goes against culture for Peter and John to be in the temple speaking. See, the ones that spoke in the temple were the educated ones. The ones who had leadership in the temple were the ones that were the wealthy ones. And so you have the priest and you have the Sadducees that are upset because Peter and John are in the temple and they're preaching a message that is offensive. It goes against who they are. The Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection of Christ. And so now you got Peter there and John there, and a crowd there, and there's some amazement going on, and these guys are upset. They're ticked off. How in the world can an unlearned person, you'll see that in a second, how in the world can an unlearned person, a fisherman, have an opportunity to speak in the temple? Well, because, you know, the Sadducees and the priests, they didn't raise the lame man in the name of Jesus. They were aware of Jesus, But they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit's eyes as they walked to the temple saying, hey, this man is in need, and yes, we can give him money. And yes, he's been coming to this temple, I don't know how long, we know he's 40 years old, but we say to him, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And so what's interesting is, really the crowd that's kind of aggressive and annoyed at Peter and John should have been the ones that say, hold on a second. We know this Messiah. We have a relationship with this Messiah. We've been with this person called Jesus. We know that he can do these things. We know that he's alive. See, they had intellectual knowledge. But they did not have a relationship with Christ. I want you to be very careful here. Because there's a temptation to sit in these pews and have intellectual knowledge of Christ and not affect who you are as an individual. That is not our goal here. Okay, Our goal is not here to, to have you gather here. Here's some information. You walk out with some more information. Our goal is when you walk into this building is that you meet the truth of Scriptures and it comes to realization, okay, Christ, I need you today. The temptation for a lot of people in buildings that I call it from this perspective. They sit, they soak, and they sour. And when you squeeze them with life, all that nastiness just pours right on out. And you would think somebody had been around a building for a period of time, somebody has had opportunity over and over again to say, okay, Christ, I know about you. I want this relationship with you. I don't want to just want an individual to have head knowledge. 
Sadducees, the priests, they knew all about him, but they didn't know him. Do you know him this morning? Or do you know about him? Did he die for sins or did he die for your sin? Is he alive today for just the Christians or just the church or just for Bible Fellowship Church? Or are you here this morning celebrating that he's alive for you? That you have hope this morning, that you have power this morning because he's alive. So this morning as you're sitting with the scriptures and it's in front of you, the priests were greatly annoyed because of the teaching of the people and proclaiming. What were they proclaiming? In Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. Now I want to be nice here, but sometimes we have a tendency to share the gospel and we leave Jesus out of it. That's not the gospel. And I realize, and I think, you know, I think Dale said this, you know, last week on Monday. If somebody gets annoyed because of the gospel, I'm not going to apologize to you. That doesn't mean I don't love you. But this morning as you're sitting here, just be clear in your mind, unless you talk about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you don't have the gospel. And as Andy shared yesterday, Laureen Cooper's service, she had a little card that she had written out. And one of the things that she wrote on the back of her card, or the front of her card, depending on what you looked at it, she said, I am a sinner. Something had come into the realization of her life that she recognized she needed a Savior. And we're living in a society that we don't like to admit that we're wrong let alone call yourself a sinner. And my prayer is for you that you're totally opposite of that. As you grow in your relationship with Christ, you, your, your sin is revealed more and more and more and more. I'm like, Lord, can you just take me home now? I can't take any more of all this stuff. You're just like all around me. So the closer that we move towards Christ, the more we realize who we really are and who we're not. That's my prayer for you too. Oh, you look nice and you're wonderful people, but if you're not a sinner, you don't need a Savior. If it was just an accident, you don't need forgiveness. Ladies and gentlemen, every single one of us sitting in here, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, are all sinners. But God demonstrated his love towards you, and that's why you're yet a sinner. Not when you were good, not when you had life altogether. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. And as Dale has read, will you receive that gift? Will you profess it with your mouth? So this morning as you sit through the gospel, as we're gathered around, it's going to be offensive. So maybe a thought or a question or something for you to wrestle with, and you can put those next two pictures uh, on the screen. Uh, let's go to the next one, sorry. Put the, we'll put the next two So part of it, I wanted you to giggle to kind of give you a break. But the other part, I want you to come back to the reality is who's mad at you because you really shared the gospel with them? When was the last time that we truly offended somebody because we were faithful to Jesus' words? Not about your issues, not about your platform, not about you wanted recognition, that they came to the realization that they had to either say yes or no 
to Jesus and the Word of God. There's no other way. And you're going to see that in a second. Because there's a temptation for us just to kind of cruise on through Highlands County, living in Sebring, Florida, and we're more worried about what people think or our career or our retirement or whatever it might be that the gospel is not even part of who we are as an individual. Which young person is going to say yes to the gospel in Korea this week? I have no idea. What's going to take place in our students' lives? Yes, they're students, but it's an opportunity for them to say, you know what, God can use me. For the ones that are just going to be up the road, serving. Most kids pay to go to camp so they could be served. These kids are paying to go to camp to serve at camp. So any of you that are under conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you want to give up your cell phone in in light of that for this week to encourage your students, just go ahead and set it aside. Those of you who are a little bit older, maybe you need to pump your thermostat up to about 78 all week long to remind you, or, or 80, when you walk into your house, that there are students that are paying to serve, and they have no air conditioning. Just as a reminder for you to pray. Outside of your little bit of your comfort zone, because... We're, we're asking students to do it, but yet we won't even ask ourselves to do it. So is your life a life that's an opportunity to be a true life in a world that everybody just wants to participate, everybody just wants to be happy? That's not what's impa- that was not what's exciting to Peter and John. They said, you know what, we want to see this person walk again. We, God, you gave us an opportunity to hear Jesus of Nazareth rise up and walk. Bam. You know what? It's going to cost these individuals too. It's going to cost Peter and John. They're going to spend a night in prison. And then the next thing that I want you to see as far as the gospel is concerned, the next point that I want you to be uh, aware of is I want you to see that there's going to be a trial that takes place. And in this trial, you pick it up in, in, um, in verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem and Ananias the priest and Caiaphas and John Alexander and all who were in high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst of the inquiry. So just stop here for a second. As you read through the book of Acts, it's recorded for us who is there. So there's, there's some attenders that are giving record. Now, I want you to think about something. How many of these attenders were there when Jesus was on trial? And I don't know. So now you have these attenders that have had to sit at the feet of Jesus and people made accusation after accusation and he never opened his mouth, which was prophesied in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53. And they should have had the head knowledge to be aware of that. Hold on a second. This guy is not even defending himself. And now they're going to come back to another time, and now they're going to get a chance to meet one of Jesus's or two of Jesus's followers. So you have a lot of pomp and circumstance that are there. You got a lot of people that were wealthy. You had a lot of people that were of influence. And they were influenced at the temple in one way or another. And so now, at this trial, they will ask 
a question. By what power or by what name did you do this? And then there's some very important words that follow. And these are the words. Then Peter, you notice something? Peter's not said a word yet. It just says, then Peter. And what takes place next is really important for you sitting here. Because we all have a temptation to say, you know what? Well, Billy Graham did this. Or this person did this. Or we're always looking and saying, oh, wow, that person is a great leader. Or that person understands this and this and this. But Peter filled with what? Holy Spirit. Not his abilities. Not his talents. Not his training. The Holy Spirit spoke. And Jesus assured his disciples that if you are placed in front of crowds, that he would give them the words to say. And so this morning as you sit here, just pause. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with our students that are going to Korea. We're asking God to do something in the power of the Holy Spirit inside of our kids' lives first. And maybe one young lady will say yes to the gospel, and that will mean she will not commit suicide. And that will mean that she gets married one day and that she has children one day and then she has the opportunity to share her, with her children the gospel that she looked or heard about or seen at English camp. Or maybe one of those kids that are at that are English camp that are, that are Korean, watch one of our boys treat a girl wisely. And they'll say, well, our friends don't talk like that or act like that. Or maybe one of those Korean kids will just see Jesus inside of our kids supernaturally. Because it really doesn't matter how it takes place. What we want is our kids to demonstrate the love of Christ and Koreans say yes to the gospel. Wherever you guys are going for work camp, if it's a roof, maybe the individual that lives in the home that doesn't have the resources, doesn't know how to do it, but you have an opportunity to put shingles down. It's not just shingles. It's you. It's you saying, I want to serve you. And maybe it all just is just, okay, I'm serving, or maybe they'll ask you a question, or maybe they'll see Jesus in you supernaturally. Thank you for students for willing to serve. You know what you're going to get a chance to see? It's God can use you, and he wants to use you. And he's given you gifts and he's given you talents. And you're going to have a great week. So this morning I want to ask you, will you allow, and you can show him that, will you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you? And what's so exciting is I was thinking about this whole concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You got Peter that, and I'm sure this was intimidating. I'm sure he's thinking inside, God, I, I just denied you a little while ago. Then you died on the cross, and then you restored me. And I really don't want to speak to these people, but you put me in this situation. And I really think this filling of the Holy Spirit, really in my concept of the world, in this concept of this filling of the Holy Spirit, 
Holy Spirit, is Peter just saying a simple word, a couple simple words? God, you speak to me. God, I give you control. God, it's not about me this morning. And then Peter says some very specific words, kind of like what he said in Acts chapter 3. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to the crippled men, and wouldn't you think the synagogue leaders would have come along some of these disciples and said, hey, thank you for healing that guy. No, they're on trial for making somebody that's been lame for 40 years and giving them, in the power of the name of Jesus, opportunity to walk. They're on trial for that. I mean, this is ridiculous. So they help somebody whose life will never be the same. They don't have to feel guilty when they walk by and don't give him money. When their heart wasn't moved with compassion because it was all about them as they walked into the temple. Yeah, look at me. Here, I look what all I've done. Look how I've stood on the street corner and prayed and done all these things. And a fisherman standing in the midst of them. But not just any old fisherman, a fisherman filled with the Holy Spirit. And the words he says, continue reading. A good deed of the crippled man, by what means this man has been healed. Let it be known to you, all of you, and to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. Can you imagine the word picture of this guy just standing there? That's me. Peter's talking about me. You know, I mean, that's an incredible illustration of the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus who's alive. Even though how many weeks beforehand was this Jesus standing in front of them? And how many weeks before him that this Jesus did not respond? And now a little bit while later, the Holy Spirit has provided power to Peter. Now there's guys have to listen to this all again about this Jesus of Nazareth. Now there's an individual that's standing there. Whether they believed or did not believe in Jesus, there was a living illustration of the power of the resurrected Christ standing right in front of them. Whom you crucified. Jesus is the stone which rejected by you, the builder, which has become the cornerstone. If you want to Go look through some of that. You can see it in Psalm 118, 1 Peter chapter 2. And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's all about Jesus. And I don't really care what the world says. And as nice as I'll say this, I don't really care what you think. The scripture is clear. There is no other way for salvation. There is no power for your life other than three nails, a cross, and an empty tomb. And his name is Jesus. You can't do life with you. You can do life if you allow the Holy Spirit 
to fill you up, to take control of who you are. God, I give you today, I don't know what to do. God, I'm going into this situation, I don't know what to say. God, there's going to be people here in church on Sunday. What do you want me to tell them? So here you are. Come face to face with the reality that there is no other name whereby you must be, or a person can be saved. Let's just show them that next slide. I really believe there's a trial taking place in Highlands County in the United States of America. And you know who I believe is on trial? His name is Jesus Christ. And I believe there's a movement in our area, even though we are, quote-unquote, the Bible Belt, and even though we've had the privilege to be founded on the truth of the Word of God. So are you ready? Is there no other name in your life this morning? No, I don't care what they say. Is there no other name in for you sitting here, Highlands County Bible Fellowship Church? Is there no other name for salvation other than the name of Jesus? I'm not against doing a lot of things. Because if you know me, I love to serve people. I love to be out there. How can we help? What can we do to be involved in with you? How can we encourage you? I realize that there are other churches in Highlands County that will not say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I personally believe that that is a growing number of churches in Highlands County. And across the United States of America. But ladies and gentlemen, as long as I have breath, there will only be one way you can get to heaven. And as many opportunities as God gives me to love people, I will ask the Holy Spirit for power to open up opportunity to serve to be able to share the gospel. Why do you do this? Well, let me just introduce you to somebody that's radically changed my life. His name is Jesus. And so as you see, the gospel has an opportunity to defend. There's a trial taking place. Now look what happens in the middle of this trial. Show them the next, let's show them the next slide. If I'm right in my order. Can we... Is the next one where it says we need a recess? Is that the next one? Maybe it got stuck. Okay, the, the last thing that I want you to see this morning as our computer upstairs take a recess and for whatever reason, mine decided not to work this morning either, so <laughs> we need a recess from technology. So um, look at the response to what was said, what was taking place. Now when all these people, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. And they recognized that that day they had been with Jesus. The crowd recognized 
that these untrained, uneducated fishermen had been given some boldness. So you can show them uh, that next picture. An opportunity to step into a place where, God, you've given me an opportunity to speak. And Peter could have said a thousand other things to make people like him that day. But he didn't do it. With boldness, he stood in front of a crowd. And because they had been with Jesus, the world recognized that. So we can show them that next one. Uneducated, and then our last one, there we go. Have you been with Jesus? Acts chapter 4, 1 through 22. I'm going to run through some things pretty fast here. Because as I was asking myself, have you been with Jesus? I was trying to kind of come up with what, what, is that, what does that look like? So, um, Psalm 118, and you can turn if you want, or I'm just going to kind of buzz through these, but... Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princesses. Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every morning. Isaiah 40, which I think uh, Miss Marcia was actually at it, or or part of what she was saying. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31, uh, you read these words. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. Matthew chapter 5, go there with me. What does it mean to be with Jesus? It means that you go to the Scriptures and you allow the Scriptures to speak to you. And not just hear the Scriptures, and not just know the Scriptures, but allow the Scriptures to become part of who you are. What does it mean for me to be with Jesus? It reminded me of Matthew chapter 5, these words, you are the salt of the earth, but if a salt loses its taste, how its saltiness shall be restored. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works. And give glory to the Father who is in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. What does it mean to be with the Father? Reminded me that he has given me the opportunity to be the light of the world. It also reminded me as I think about being with Jesus, reminds me of Paul's words. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of my surpassing greatness of revelation, a thorn of the, was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about it, that it would leave me. But he said, 
Jesus said to Peter, I mean to, to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power was made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insult, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. Is that true about you? I mean, be honest. Sitting in Sunday school class this morning, kind of enjoyed going to Sunday school class. And as we are talking about the book of Proverbs, I was just flipping through the scriptures and looking at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit your ways to the Lord and your plans will be established. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the body. Being with Jesus is being reminded that he resists the proud. Being with Jesus is reminding you that he will direct your path. Plan all you want to plan and then hang on to your seat and watch Jesus do whatever he wants to do to get your attention. So as we walk away this morning, we'll just, we'll just put the last, go one more. Um, the gospel offense. Peter and John was on trial. But because Peter paused and didn't just open up his mouth, Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached. And their lives, that was the council that was sitting there, was scratching their head saying, you know what? <laughs> These guys shouldn't be able to speak this way. They're ordinary men. But because they had been with Jesus, there was something different. So as our worship team comes, uh, we're going to finish our time in worship this morning. I I just want you to say, Jesus, I'm amazed by, and you fill in the blank this morning. What would it be? Jesus, I'm amazed by, and you fill in the blank. What's one way that Jesus has amazed you? Jesus, I'm amazed by, fill in the blank. How has Jesus amazed you? Because His grace Jesus, I'm amazed by your grace. Jesus, I'm amazed by what? What else would it be? His power. Patience. Love. His timing. Courage. Boldness. Has time for me. He always has time for us. He doesn't give up. His forgiveness. So, Father, we're here this morning. And because of your Son, our life will never be the same. May we never get over that. And Father, may we, we have enough spiritual maturity 
to know what it means to be with you. That we would spend some time with you. That we would humble ourselves before you. That we would ask for help. And so when you give us opportunities to speak the way you give Peter's, Peter the opportunity, we would talk about you. We'd talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. No matter who's around, no matter what it will cost us. Because we have been with you, we can't shut up. That we won't be shut up. That it doesn't matter what the world does to us. We will not walk away from the gospel. That will be part of who we are. Father, thank you for your word. And the opportunity just to sit with it for me personally. Now take your word, Holy Spirit, take the word of God and set it loose in our, in our family. May it radically change us because we've been with you. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. <music>